Am I recording now? Women, yes. Women. That's us. Hey, lovers. Welcome back to Sex on Sunday with KZ and Alori. This is your girl, Katie. Um, I am happy to be back. It's been a couple of weeks. I took some time off. I hope you enjoyed Pink last week. She was amazing talking about the Bible and consent and sexuality. I thought she was great. Um, I wish I could have been a part of that discussion, but um, I had to go out of town. I hope everybody is doing well out here. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful day in New York City. And, um, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys about something that has been coming up all over, just all over lately, as of late, from, you know, um, from celebrities down to like, you know, your everyday people. Um, it's a touchy topic because as an African-American woman, um, you know, I guess for years now, people have been talking about how undateable black women are and, you know, how we're not likely to marry and not likely to have successful relationships and not likely to have whole families. And um, it is a very, very painful thing to to be, you know, a part of and um, to, to, to hear that those kinds of things said about us. And then, um, you know, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about that issue because one, I feel like it isn't true. Um, I think that, you know, wait, I'm gonna take this. You guys, I'm wearing a very beautiful collar. This is the collar that <laughs> I've, been, I've used with my, uh, my partner and um, we use it to play sometimes. And I wanna talk a little bit about that later. And most times I can wear my collar and, you know, walk around the house and, you know, just do and just be very comfortable in this sort of submissive role. But right now with the headphones on and the collar and I'm trying to talk to you guys, I'm feeling real crazy. So I'm gonna take off, maybe I'll take the headphones off and see if that helps. Hang on, let me try that first. Well, yeah, that's better. I can't really hear myself, which is weird, but um, it's fine. Let me just fix my earring. Hello, world. Um, okay, so, um, you know, again, I'm not sure. I'm just going to pick up where I, where I think I left off. Um, and so it's really difficult to be in this sort of, in this group, you know. Um, for one, it isn't true. I know so many beautiful, successful um, relationships that black women are in, whether they're in those relationships with black men or with other men. So I don't think that, I think it's an overgeneralization. I think, yeah, you know, what we see in the world, like we, we, we see, and especially in um, metropolises like New York City, where there are so many women uh, versus the amount of men. And there are, um, places where a lot of single people are, yes, you're gonna see a lot of single women in general, right? And it is true that um, there is some truth to it that black women don't marry as much and they're not in relationships as much, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible for those things to turn around. Um, so the, the, the topic in, in particular that I want to talk about is the fact that um, 
you know, there's this thought that black men choose uh, others, Latina, white, Asian, um, and that this has become a preference over white women. I mean, sorry, over black women. And, um, you know, I think personally that, you know, they're, they're, this, is act, this is an actual thing, right? There are men that are out here, black, white, purple, who pref have preferences for women that are not that don't look like themselves. And I think that's perfectly okay. What I have a problem with is when that preference over the women of their race is based in um, is based in hatred, right? It's based in disdain, right? It's one thing to um, to be attracted to women of another culture because of their beauty and because of their culture in general. But it's another thing to to run to another culture to escape your own. And so I just say my short little message on this to black men um, and to any men who, who operate and, and think this way is the women of your race and the women of your culture are a mirror of yourself. So if you hate black women, right? Or if you have a problem with black women or if you're white American and you have a problem with white American women, the thing to remember is we are a mirror of you. So if you hate us, you hate yourself. So really there's something within you that you need to address. I think that a lot of times there's uh, self-esteem issues at play. Um, I think that people vibrate low. They vibrate very low. And what I mean by vibrate low is that they, um, they haven't taken into account what they bring. They're constantly looking outward for the problems and not thinking about what they can do to make the situation better. And, um, and conversely, that goes for, um, you know, not to discount their feelings on, on, on the situation and not to discount, um, why men go outside of their race because quite frankly the you know you can go wherever you want to go right my thing is the re your reasoning for doing that right so you know the same thing i i hear um black women say the same thing that they can't date black men because of the way that black men treat them i think this is an overgeneralization i think in particular where you live and where you're located sometimes dictates, you know, the outcome. I'll also say the same thing for socioeconomic level, right? If you're, you know, living, you know, in a, um, in a wealthy community and that wealthy community is made up of people of another race, then the likelihood that you're going to date someone in your community and you're going to, you're going to, you know, um, interact with those other people is very, is very high, you know? So, um, you know, so I don't, in those cases, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's, there are also situations where, um, like I look at the Europeans, I look at European countries where there are black women marrying white men. It's always been that way. As far as I can tell, like, um, based on relationships that I have with friends that live in London and some friends that live in Paris, interracial uh, dating and interracial marriage and relationships are quite quite the norm. And I feel like it's here in this country um, and it's here in a particular type of environment where, um, well, quite frankly, I think people are vibrating very low. 
I think that people, you know, are, are, are you know, these are small thinkers. I think uh, we shouldn't... Um, we shouldn't concentrate so much on on the outer appearance of people and what they can give and like the material, even though sometimes that stuff is important in terms of, you know, what kind of gets your juices flowing. But I think fundamentally, um, it's really a person's moral, your morality, I think is what should, in your chemistry, I think is what should determine, um, you know, how you choose people, at least for me, that's how I make my determinations, right? So, um, has Katie ever dated outside her race? Hell yes, I have. I've dated, you know, you know, white. I've dated Latino. I've dated Asian. I've dated, you know, several types of black men, if there is such a thing. Well, there is such a thing, right? Because there are black men from the continent. There's black men from Europe. There are black men, you know, in the United States and so on and so forth, right? So I'm just, I don't feel as limited um, by by race, I just don't. And I think um, a lot of black women do themselves a disservice by thinking so lim so limited, right? Um, we're limited to our communities, our block. Like get off the block, you know? Go, go to a conference, go to uh, a workshop, go on a skiing trip, you know? Go shopping in a different community from your own. You know, try something, try something new, right? Um, and don't be mad. Most, most of all, don't be mad when you see our men going to different communities, right? This is an opportunity. I'm not saying blame yourself. So let me just clarify. What I'm saying is this is an opportunity for you. If you're someone whose man left them for a woman, of another race, do not blame yourself, right? Whatever his reasoning is, is his reason. And, you know, in all actuality, he's, ex he's expressing his freedom to do whatever he wants, which is something that black women need to do more of. We do not need permission to date outside of our race. And I get it. It's really hard. This is really hard to compare black men to any other race. They are gods, we understand that. But some of them are vibrating really, really low, you know? And I'd say, don't trip, you know? Either find you somebody that's, you know, going to, um, you know, make you feel good or give you what you need or bust, just go and, and try some other things out. I talk about this all the time and I'm a big supporter of love however it comes, you know? So that said, I want to now turn and speak to um, the people, the women who are in relationships and, and you know, you're finding more and more that your guy is, you know, you go on his Instagram, like he, you looking at yourself like, here I am, you know, I'm thick, I'm brown, I'm pretty, and my guy is on Instagram and all the all the women that he's he's looking at are skinny, real, real light, if not white or Latino, and don't look nothing like me, got long straight hair, I'm rocking a natural, you know, or they've dated outside of the race, they've dated um, Latina or 
Persian or Asian or whatever exotic, you know, in the past. And now they've decided they want to come back to black women. That's I've experienced that. They decided they want to come back and date black women. And um, and so now you're being compared and you're just dealing with all this stuff. Or if you just plain and simple, like I want to hold down the fort. I'm not letting my man even think about leaving me for some other. Right. And this all sounds really, really um, may sound a little crazy to some of y'all. But this is this is the reality. Um, some of the men that I've spoken to, one of the things that comes up for them when they date outside is how black women are not submissive and how we over, overact, okay, overreact to things. For example, um, one brother said to me, oh, you know, the difference in how, you know, white women and other women react to things versus the way that black women ha react, you know? The first thing I say to them is, okay, this white woman or Persian woman or Asian woman or whatever has dated one black guy or two at the most, right? The average black woman has never dated outside of her race. So you're not the first fuck boy, for lack of a better word, that she's had to deal with, right? So by the time you get to her, if she's a woman of a certain age, She's like been through the most, the most, right? So one of the other things that black men say is that, you know, black women don't take risks sexually. Um, and I think this is true. I mean, at least for myself, for years and years and years, I thought I was taking risks, but I really wasn't. I was just having a lot of penetrated, penetrative sex, but I really wasn't taking risks. Like I wasn't you know, bringing my, my game and I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't experiencing my own pleasure. And I think, um, you know, when you're, when you're experiencing pleasure, you are, you are a better lover. And so one of the things that helps me be a better lover and, um, and experience more pleasure was being with a partner with whom I trust, I trusted, you know, that's, you know, the first time I experienced well, not the first time, but I experienced a G-spot orgasm at a time in my life where I, when I wasn't re getting any orgasms at all. And I went from like zero orgasms or orgasm through oral play, which I don't really care for those. Um, I went from, so basically zero, I consider zero, zero orgasm to a G-spot orgasm. And then just like, just just all G-spot orgasms, which people will dispute that that is even a thing. And I don't discount for the other types of orgasms I have with the exception of oral, which I just feel like, you know, I just have my, my, my feel. I just feel like, you know, yeah, it's just so outside of your body and it's fine. And we can talk about the clitoris and, and the clitoris's role and, the clitoris's role, its only role is to, is to give pleasure. So I'm not discounting it. In fact, it plays a role in the G-spot orgasm. So I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying it exclusively is not enough for me. Like I like to feel things intense, intensively and internally. But um, in any case, um, geez, I think I, I lost my spot. What was the same? In any case, um, uh, 
you know, there's a whole issue of trust when it comes to taking risks sexually. So when you trust your partner, you might be more likely to engage in anal sex. When you trust your partner, you might be more likely to engage in bondage play. And if you trust your partner, you might be more likely to um, have a threesome. You might be more likely to, um, um, you know, do any number of things in, in the fetish realm. You know, uh, BDSM can be used as a means of healing, and it also can be used as a tool, a tool to help a relationship fortify. You know, I mean, I think in my last relationship, it definitely did help. Um, and there were some things that I wanted and there were some things that he wanted to do. And there were some things that I was hesitant to do because I was having trust issues. Um, um, but over time through BDSM play, you know, we were able to overcome those things. And so um, I think specifically in, if you're in a relationship with someone and, um, you know, particularly I'm looking at new parents, I'm looking at parents that, uh, family, uh, couples that struggle, have struggled with infidelity. I'm looking at men in relationships who are at their brink and thinking about going outside of the relationship. They've thought about it. I'm talking about, um, you know, so in terms of repairing uh, relationships that are on the brink, I'm talking about especially women who, I'm talking about religious, religious couples. You know, I remember um, being a Muslim. When I was a Muslim, I couldn't, you know, engage in anal sex. And um, I was by the book back then. Like, I was like, just by the book. I was like, oh, you know, it's haram to do sodomy. You know, you're not supposed to do that. But my husband at the time was just like, you know, it's between a husband and wife, you know? So, um, but I still, I felt like, oh God, God is looking down on me while I'm doing this act. And I didn't enjoy it, obviously. But, um, you know, I did try, I did try it. Um, but I can't say I enjoyed it at that time because it, I was so mired in the religion. I um, mean, that kind of goes back to what Pink was talking about last week. If you listen to last, last week's show and how religion plays such a huge role in our bedrooms and our sexuality. Uh, but later on in another relationship with a, with a Muslim man, I was able to enjoy anal sex regularly. Um, that is so interesting how you just, you come full circle when you, when you trust yourself and you trust your partner to be able to experience different things. Um, you know, when I was married, I married very young, um, to an older man and he obviously had more sexual experience, I think, than I did. I maybe, maybe not. Um, I think I wasn't a virgin in the marriage, going into the marriage. And I certainly wasn't engaging in anal sex. So I guess he did have more experience than I did. But he also wanted me to be more submissive. And I was too young to really understand what that means. So if you're, you're a younger person and you're listening to this show, um, and you and this resonates with you 
listen closely. Like I, you know, was in this relationship with someone from a different culture. He was a black man from a different culture. And one of the things that stands out for me most was the fact that he wanted me to be really submissive, like, you know, a housewife cooking and cleaning and taking care of the home, which wasn't a problem. But then there were like other little cultural things. Like he wanted me to um, went, greet him at the door in a certain way, in a particular way that was very un-American. And so mm, un-American, un-African-American, I'll say, right? Is, 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 I don't necessarily, I, and I say that because I don't necessarily identify as American. I'm just going to put it out there. But it wasn't a thing that a black girl would do. So, um, so I was very anti that and it, it and I felt like it de, it was demoralizing. But that was just the way that I was raised. Right. I was raised by, you know, very strong, very assertive women who and there were no men around to serve. So that, that's not something that I saw growing up. Right. Um, so there was that. And I, I just wasn't raised to take care of a man. And then I found myself in this situation where I was supposed to be doing that. And I didn't want to. I I, I frank, I quite frankly did not want to do that. Um, and I, I felt like he was controlling me. Fast forward. And um, 20 odd years later. And I said, I'm going to reevaluate what it means to be submissive um, because I felt like in order for me to get past that, because this is a, this is a theme now. Now hear me closely, sisters. There was something that was a theme that I kept hearing throughout my life over and over again. And that was, you're not submissive enough. You're like a man. I kept hearing that from the time I was first married, 22, and throughout all of my relationships, with the exception of maybe two who were men who were, you know, quite okay with the way that I, with the way that I was. They just were, were fine, right? Um, but still, I felt like I needed to address that and just see what that was about, right? And so, of course, quite naturally, everything goes back to how you were raised and, like, you know, what you saw growing up and the messages that were given to you and the messages that were giving to, given to me were not positive ones with regards to um, domestication, right? It was more like get out of the kitchen, get in the school books, you don't need to take care of no man. Like it was very much on the heels of women's liberation. Um, so, you know, there was that. So I never learned any of those things. When I met my husband initially, I, I the most I could do was make like pasta and I could heat stuff up. He taught me how to cook, although he would never admit it now. He taught me how to cook. So the, so, you know, kudos to him, but just, you know, just showing you like, that's what I came into the relationship with. Of course, the relationship didn't last, you know, for other reasons he was, he was too controlling. Right. Um, but I just, I just say that because as, as I moved on and I started experimenting and trying to research and figure out like, you know, why don't these relationships work with, with, with brothers? And I found a few, I found out a few things. So I did want to try the submissive 
road. I was like, okay, let's see what this is about. I had a hard time doing it in real life, right? So in real life, what it looked like was, you know, um, me greeting my man at the door, me having meals made, um, me listening more and not saying anything. This is what women of back in the day would do or women from different cultures would do. They just listen. But you know what? In those back rooms, they would have their women groups where they can assert themselves and talk and, and build. And here's the other thing. Those men, for the most part, were providing. They were providing for the home. They were taking care of the family. They were coming home and giving their paychecks to those women most often. A lot of times, they, you know, you had scenarios where they didn't. But the messaging that, that was given to those particular women um, was passed down from their parents. And women just didn't leave. They just, you know, it was a totally different time. And families were brought together for totally different reasons. Um, so, you know, so there's that. So now fast forward back to my story because I'm rambling a little bit. Back to my story. So I decided I wanted to take it a step further into BDSM play with my partner. And um, I told him that I would like to experience being a submissive, right? And in, in, our, in our bedroom play. And so what that looked like was the collar that I'm wearing now. Um, I, I would just kind of be around the house wearing it you know, he would, you know, order me around and tell me things to do, you know, just like basic stuff. And, you know, my challenge would be to not question it, not respond and just kind of move in that space, um, do exactly what he told me to do um, without question and um, and just submit. It was like the hardest experiment ever. It was really, really hard to um to give up all of my um, vulnerability to this person who I kind of didn't trust, you know? But I said, I, I, I really need to challenge myself to break through this so that I can um, understand it and be able to unpack it in, in the future, right? So, um, and so I did. And so what I found was it was extremely you know, for one, it was kind of fun, you know, as a person to kind of just not have to, not have to deal, you know, let someone kind of take the rein. You all know, I'm a single mom, I work, I do the podcast and a bunch of other stuff. And it requires me to be bossy. You know, it requires me to be making heavy, big decisions. It requires me to be, um, you know, an owner of my life. Right. So I can't always just kind of sit back and let somebody else take the rein. And in this submissive play, um, it allowed me the ability to do that. Um, so I, you know, I really encourage you women out there to consider, consider, um, bringing submissive play into your, into your life. I consider men, I'm sorry, I highly encourage men to um, consider handcuffs, blindfolds, you know, to help as a, a, a trust building tool, right? We need help. Black women are naturally 
queens. We're naturally bossy. When, and I know some of you out there like that, but then there are times when you feel emasculated. And I completely understand how that is. I've done it. I've, I've emasculated plenty, you know? Um, and as my partner, just right before he dropped me off, he was, I, I asked him, I was like, oh, do you think I'm submissive? And he was like, oh, you can be submissive at times. I said, yeah, because nobody can be in one thing 24 hours a day. He said, oh, well, men can do it. But I said, mm, there are some days when you guys just want to come home and just, you know, and cry on somebody's shoulder. So no, no one can do that 24 hours a day. Um, and for black women who are wearing all these different caps and for women in general, it's not just black women, but for, for, for strong women who are constantly having to multitask and, and wear all these different caps um, and then on sight of their man able to sort of step back and, and let him lead, that takes practice. That's not something that you're, if you weren't raised that way or if, if the messaging wasn't that, Please don't expect us to just come to the gate prepared, right? You see a woman, she has potential. You have to help her. There are ways you can help her. If you can get her to trust you, you win. And, 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 the, and the main issue here is that men, women don't, don't trust. They don't trust you to be able to lead. Um, but you take baby steps. You take baby steps. You introduce, um, you introduce some things into the bedroom, into your play, and then you, you know, let her, and then you watch her sit back and let you do, you know, what you need to do in your family. You know, I mean, it, it, it gets really bad. And I, I know that you guys can agree. I mean, I've been in a relationship where, you know, I completely and totally emasculated my partner, right? Because we were having financial issues. And, um, you know, it's too late now. I don't believe in going backwards. But if I knew now, um, if I knew then what I know now, I would have been able to possibly save that relationship. Possibly. Possibly. Um, so in any case, I... Would love for you guys, if you're listening, um, please take my advice. I'm happy to inbox me with any questions. I also want you to know that I am, um, as of today, going to be starting a new business and helping you guys out. You know, I'm a big, huge proponent of lube. I love lube. I think everyone should have lube in their house, in their bed stand. Um, I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of, of bondage. So ropes, handcuffs, um, and I'm a huge fan of edible products. So, um, because of that, I've decided I'm going to be able to help you bring some of those things, the things that I like. I want you to be able to bring some of those things into your lives, into your bedroom, and hopefully you guys could um, enjoy them as much as I do. So I'm introducing to you, I'm so excited about this, but I'm introducing to you my new website. I am officially a Bedroom Candy Boutique Consultant. Woo, shout out to Candy Burris. Um, I think for all of you guys that are out out there listening, 
here in the States and abroad, I want you to know that you can go to my website, um, katienalori.com, and you can find the link to my bedroomcandy.com um, website. Or if you want, you can go directly to my website. It's www.bedroomcandy, that's with a K, B-E-D-R-O-O-M-K-A-N-D-I.com slash forward slash black slash forward slash 10491 that's my personal website and it's going to take you to um to give you access to all the things that i'm talking about you know um you can find eye masks there you can find they have a great swing you can find um handcuffs you can find little whips and stuff like that. And the great, great part about this is I'll be able to offer you guys discounts um, for the first 10 people who go to the website and purchase something, I'll be able to offer you a discount. And then the other great, great, great news is that I, you can contact me and I can personally give you some tips on how to use the products and, um, and I can offer you guys a little advice. So you can always inbox me on my IG account at Sex on Sunday with Katie and Alori. You can find me there or you can email me um, from the website, Katie and Alori. And um, yeah, guys, it's been great. It's, I'm so glad to catch back up with you guys, but I gotta, I gotta go and I look forward to, you, to speaking with you guys again next week. Pink is going to be back with us and we're going to be talking about rebound love and the news of the day. Um, but I just wanted to say, Hey, and thank you guys for listening. You're always great. And I'll see you soon. Bye lovers. Bye.